every one of you out this evening. Man, it's so good to be here with you for a Wednesday night Bible study. I do want to welcome each and every one of you and thank you for making the study of the Word of God and the worship of the Lord Jesus a priority in your life. And it's always good to come together in the middle of the week and be refreshed in the presence of God by the power of God uh, with the people of God. Amen? Amen. I enjoy uh, that each and every time we're able to meet together. I tell you all the time, and I mean it. Uh, I, li- I love every service that we have here. I'm so thankful that God chooses to meet with his people um, just like he's promised. He says where two or three are gathered in his name, he'll be in the midst. He said that he inhabits the praises yes. of his people. So when we come together and we choose to praise him for he alone is worthy, the Bible says that he chooses to meet with us. What a blessing that truly is uh, to be in the presence of God. And so I enjoy every time we come together. But Wednesday nights are my absolute favorite service of the week. I enjoy just digging in the word of God with the people of God and, and, and just seeing how good he is. And uh, that's what I want to do this evening. Now, last time when we were together, we finished up with uh, with. Hebrews chapter number 8, and, and I hope and pray that you are enjoying the book of Hebrews uh, as much as uh, as much as I am. Thank you, brother, for that. I'm going to start preaching on hell if we don't keep start turning, turning that down just a little bit. I tell you what, I was already starting to break a sweat, but um, thank you for that. Um, but, and, and usually what we do, as most of you know, on Wednesday nights, we just go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, expositorily through a book of the Bible. And that's what my plans were this evening. I was just going to go and, and start right in with chapter number 9. I cannot wait to share with you what God's Word teaches in Hebrews chapter number 9. You're talking about some powerful truth that will bless your heart. Hebrews chapter 9, um, just some really good stuff. All of it's good. But like I told you last time, there's just certain chapters, certain passages of Scripture in the Word of God that really just... Um, jump off the page at you, you know, and speak to your heart. Give you what you need when you need it. And Hebrews 9 is one of those one of those chapters. And I, I was excited about sharing that with you tonight. That was my plan. But I just felt led to go in a different direction. I just felt the Lord leading in a different way. And, and I always want to just mind the Lord and allow Him to do what He wants to do. Can you say amen? amen. I don't mind changing direction as long as I know He's got the steering wheel. As long as I know it's what He wants. Something I prayed about today and thought about today and and so I just feel that the Lord wants us to go uh, to somewhere different. So go to Luke chapter 11, and we'll get there in just a moment. And I've just got a few things that I want to share with you. I'm not going to keep you long tonight. I'm going to make a few statements and, and maybe uh, look up some powerful scriptures for uh, that's been great for me. You know, it's helped me grow in the Lord and, and encouraged me. And I hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you as well. Uh, and then we're going to be done. We're going to pray for another. We're going to be done tonight. And I know what you're thinking when I said that. My, do- my daughter, Ellie Grace, she tells me, Dad, every time you tell us, you ain't going to keep us long. You keep us for way over time. So probably when you heard me say that, you thought, oh, no, we'll be here till 830. But that's, that's not my plan either. But again, we're just going to mind the Lord and let God be God and, and do what he wants to do. But Hebrews, or excuse me, Luke chapter 11, we'll be at in just a moment. Before we get there, though. Let me ask you a very important question. I'm not asking you to raise your hand or you don't have to say anything. Um, This is just between you and the Lord, all right? And I want you to answer this honestly, deep down on the inside where where the Lord knows what's going on. Amen? And so, and I'm talking to the blood-bought, 
born again believer, the Christ follower, the one who knows they've been born again into the family of God, bought by the precious blood of Jesus. And you may be here this evening and say, oh, brothers, I, that really just, uh, that cuts me out because I've not yet trusted in Christ. Well, I've got good news for you. The same Jesus who has saved me can and will save you. He Amen. is still tonight, today, right now, yes. in the saving business. He is still able to change hearts, change lives, and give to you the gift of eternal life, which is abundant. And the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. So this message is just not for the blood-bought, born-again believer. It's for everybody, but... I'm certainly talking to the blood-bought, born-again believer when I ask this question. I want to ask you, do you truly want to become, to grow? Everybody say grow. Right. Right. Do you truly want to grow to become what Jesus has saved you to be? Do you, do you, do you have that desire deep down on the inside? Does that push you towards the things of God and serving Him? It ought to. It should. We all ought to have a desire to actually grow into what he saved us to be. You say, well, how do you know I need to grow? You don't know anything about me. I may be right where the Lord wants me. And, and before I go any further than this, let me say to you, I know beyond the shadow of any doubt there are people, blood-bought, born-again believers right here in this sanctuary tonight that I know God has used greatly in the past. Praise the Lord for that. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen God work on you, work in you, and work through you to accomplish His good will and purpose. I've seen you be the hands and feet of Jesus. I've seen you love people like Jesus loves people. I've seen you preach truth effectively by the power of God. I've seen all that, and I praise Jesus for it. So I know there are blood-bought, born-again believers right here in this place Listen to me now, that have been used greatly in the past by the Lord. I know there are blood-bought, born-again believers right here in this place who are being used powerfully, effectively by the Lord. And I say praise God to that. And I love to, if there's one thing that absolutely fires me up about being a pastor, it's when I see God working in the lives of His people. Man, when I'm talking about when I see people so hungry for the things of God, you know, they, it's like they're just sitting on the edge of the seat waiting to see what they're, they're going to be able to do next for the Lord. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, just like uh, Dr. Johnny Mays always said, he said, you know, I, serving Jesus, like I'm just like a little kid in a parade somewhere. So I just can't wait to see what God's got next for me. And, and I love to, to be around people like that, that just cannot wait. For what God is going to do next in their life. And they're so hungry to hear from the Lord. And to be what God wants them to be. And to be used in the Lord. I love that. And I know that's happening in people's life right now. I know there are blood-bought born-again believers who have been used. And I know there are blood-bought born-again believers who are being used. And by faith, I'm looking forward to the future that God will continue to use blood-bought born-again believers. We're in the process right now of building a whole new building over there. It's almost done. Now, we built that because there's a need for it. Let me tell you why there's a need for it. Because God, by His mercy and grace, 
and according to the love wherewith he has loved us has changed hearts and changed lives. And our church has grown. Can you say amen? And we praise the Lord for that. Thank God for that. But now listen to me. I am trusting that the God who caused the need for that building will cause a need for a greater building than even that. I'm praying that God will fill that up. But if that's going to happen, it's going to happen as God's people becomes the hands and feet of Jesus. Not just that we have been used. Not just that we are being used. But that God will continually to use us in the future as we look to Him. Can you say amen? amen. As we fix our eyes into the heels because we know that's where help comes from. As we continually relinquish our will to God's will. As we continually love God Amen. and love people. Brothers and sisters, keep it simple. It's what Jesus said, wasn't it? You will know how to serve the Lord and really be pleasing on the Lord. Love God and love people. So I'm, I'm thankful for what God has done in, in people's lives. I've saw it. I'm thankful for what God is doing in people's lives. I'm seeing it. But I'm also thankful and looking forward in faith to what God is going to do. So don't get me wrong. I know God has used you and God is using you. Praise the Lord for that. Nothing like being used to the Lord. Can you say amen? Amen. Nothing like being God just doing a work in your life that only He can do. Leading God and directing you. Walking with you. Talking with you along life's weary way. Like we talked about Sunday. Nothing, nothing like that. But, I'm going to say this too. You've still got growing room. And I've still got growing room. I'm telling you, from the pulpit to the pew, we've got growing room. From the bathroom to the back door, we've got growing room. I don't care who you are, what position you hold. We all in this sanctuary tonight still have growing room. I'm here to tell you, I don't care if you've been saved for 50 years or 5 minutes. Every one of us have growing room. Now, you may be asking yourself, how do you know that? You don't know me. You don't know what I've done, what I haven't done. You don't know what God's doing in my life. No, I don't. But I do know this. Can you still do this? Do this with me. Everybody do that. Now, if you're going to remain with us, you're going to have to keep doing that on a regular basis. And as long as you can keep doing that on a regular basis, and you remain here with us, you've still got growing room. You say, brother, how do you know that? Well, I know that because if God was finished with you, He'd already taken you to heaven. You understand me? I've got growing room as a believer. You've got growing room as a believer. Every blood-bought, born-again believer who's still taking in oxygen has growing room and still has purpose. Amen. So do we want to grow and become what Jesus has saved us to be? If so, two things, two things have to be true in our lives. Number one, we must be passionate about the study of the Word of God. We must. We must. 
We must be lovers of the word. We must be hearers of the word. And we must be doers of the word. Can you say amen? amen. Now, when I got saved, God produced within me a love for his word, for his truth. I became so hungry for it. I was, Brother Kyle, I don't mean to put you on the spot, brother, but just something you said to me um, here a while back has stuck with me. He was talking about right after he got saved, he was working two jobs. I'd actually called him and asked him about a place that he used to work. And, and he said to me something in the, in, the, in the course of that conversation. He said, you know, I, I just got saved. I was working two jobs. He said, man, I ain't got time to read my Bible. I was making good money, but I just decided I needed to spend time with the Lord. So he said, I had to get one of them jobs up. I felt like shouting on the phone. Let me tell you why. Because I, I, I recognized what he was talking about. God had birthed within him a hunger for truth. And it's just like he couldn't get enough of it. And brother, I still see that in your life. Praise God for it. You still can't get enough of it. That's good. That's good. Listen, we must be passionate about the study of God's Word. Let me tell you why. Because it's the truth of God's Word coupled with the power of God the Holy Spirit working on us, working in us, and working through us that will help us to actually grow to become what Jesus has saved us to be. Listen to me. When I hear God's truth, when I study God's truth, when I get plugged into a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, Bible-teaching church, church, and I get a hold of truth, and then I allow God the Holy Spirit to apply that by His power in my life, I'm continually being changed like the Bible says from glory to glory so that I'm becoming more and more and more like Jesus. The book of Isaiah says it like this, that it's precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little. We're growing to become what God wants us to be. If you believe it, say amen. amen. So why is it so important that you get in, plugged into services just like this? We are getting a hold of God's truth. Do you see how important it is for you to get plugged into a Sunday school class? I'm going to tell you something. Sunday school is a fantastic, fantastic tool for growth. When you get in there with other believers and get in God's word, and you begin telling them about your experience and what God has done for you. And they begin telling you about their experience and what God has done for them. And they begin sharing what God spoke into their life about a particular passage of Scripture. And you get to speak into their life what God has said to, to you about a particular passage of Scripture. And we all start growing together and the power and spirit and the love of Christ. Folks, that is a powerful thing. Amen. I'm telling you. We have got Sunday school classes for everybody. Get plugged in. We have got Sunday school classes for babies all the way through adults. Get plugged into a Sunday school class. Because it's in that class, listen to me now, you're going to get a hold of the teaching of the Word of God. Man, it's good. Guess what else you get to do? You get to, you get to meet people. Right? That lady told me here a while back, she'd come to church about every three or four weeks, Maybe. You know, if there wasn't nothing else going on that she didn't really want to do. Because that's really what it is, isn't it? 
I mean, we can say what we want, but we do what we want to do. Don't we? Now, a lot of times what we'll do, we'll try to find excuses why we uh, don't want to be there and, and also find reasons that will make us feel better about not doing what we know we should be doing. And she said to me, I just don't feel like I have any friends at that church. That's why I'm not coming because I, I called her up and asked I just don't feel like I have any friends. I said, sister, let me tell you something. The book of Proverbs says, if a man wants friends, he must first of all show himself friendly. You've got to put forth a little effort. It ain't going to hurt you to smile a little bit. Amen. It's okay. You can smile. It's good to smile. You know it takes 37 different facial muscles for you to frown and one for you to smile. Some of us are walking around war slap out all day long. <laughs> Looking like we've been baptized in pickle juice. Wearing the frown everywhere. Brothers and sisters, turn that frown upside down. If there's anybody that's got something to smile about, it's the child of God. Man, you've missed hell and gained heaven. God lives in you in the person of the Holy Spirit. You've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You have become a part of a royal priesthood. As adopted sons and daughters of God, you are princes and princesses in God's family. Heirs to God and join heirs with Jesus. He never leaves me nor forsakes me. He shall supply all my need according to His riches and glory. He that hath begun the good work in me will perform it in the day of redemption according to Philippians 1.6. And folks, I am happy to know Jesus. So guess what? Turn that frown upside down, smile a little bit, and be friendly to other people. And get plugged in. Amen. Come be a part. You know why, you know why we eat on, on you know, Wednesday nights? Brother, that's a stupid question. We eat because we're hungry. Well, that's true. And I like to eat. But we can eat anywhere. You know why we have so many functions like that where we get together and break bread and play cornhole and, and let the kids run wild in the yard and shoot fireworks and do all that? You know why we do that? We want to, listen to me now, create a culture of fellowship. Amen? Fellowship. Koinonia is the Greek word. It means to just do life together. Amen. I like doing life with the people of God. I can be myself for other people of God. This is my family. You are my brothers and sisters. Get plugged in. Show yourself friendly. Meet people. A great place to do that is in a good Sunday school class. Oh, brothers, it's early on Sunday morning. We don't meet till 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock. Goodness gracious. You've got to be at work at 7 and you're there at 6.15 drinking coffee with everybody. I like sleeping late on Sunday. Sleep till late. You don't ever sleep till late. You're up at work at 7. Am I right? Get on up come to Sunday school, man. We'd love to have you. And when you get here, smile. I'm going to smile back at you. 
See how this works? But you've got to make that effort. Get plugged in. Get plugged in. In there, you get the teaching of the Word of God. In services like this, in Sunday morning, you get the preaching of the Word of God. We get to worship Jesus. Man, folks, you become a part of something much bigger than yourself. You become a part of something that's eternal. It means something. Don't miss out, man. We love the Word of God. We listen to the Word of God. Through the preaching and teaching. We take time to spend time in the Word of God and a daily quiet time of devotion. One of the things, the greatest blessing in my life, other than my own personal salvation, my own personal relationship with Jesus, the greatest blessing in my wife, in my life, bar none, is my wife bringing. That nothing else even comes close. I love my kids. Sometimes I get tired of my kids, but I love my kids. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm not the only one that feels that way sometimes. I love them to death. But sometimes I like to get right. I like to lay some hands on my kids. But I love them. But I tell you, I sure love that woman. She is a blessing to me every morning. She's up early, 36 o'clock, studying that Word of God, man. digging into that truth. So proud of her, so thankful for her. And it shows up in her life. It shows up in how she treats people. How she gets to school right here and teaches them young of that truth. How she teaches them young of that truth on Sunday morning. How she speaks that truth into my life. And becomes that helpmate that the Bible has called her to be. I see God all over because she takes time to spend time in the Word of God. Now I know all of us can grow in that, can't we? I certainly can. Let me tell you why. Because we're busy. Folks, sometimes I don't even know if I'm washing or hanging out. I'll be honest. I, sometimes it feels as though I'm going to go stark raving mad with everything that's going on. You know, when you've got a job and you've got kids and you've got baseball practice and basketball practice and cheerleading practice and gymnastics practice and, and then you've got all the stuff you've got to deal with in your marriage and with your family and you've got all of everything else that just weighs on you and burdens you and you're in that great rat race of life, sometimes it's hard to carve out the time needed to sit down and spend time with the Lord. One of the greatest tools of the enemy is to keep us too busy to love Jesus and to serve Jesus. And I know it's difficult, but, and, and, and I'm preaching to myself here, but if you're too busy to take time to spend time in the Word of God, then you're too busy. Carve out that 15, 20, 30 minutes a day to just get in God's word and ask him to speak to you. Oh, it makes such a difference. Now, when I don't do it, I can certainly tell it in my life. And when I do decide 
to take time and spend time in the Word of God. I can certainly tell them a lot. And then I want to keep myself from not doing it sooner. Because the Word of God will literally burst a flame in your hand when you open your heart to it. When you pray for God to speak to you. He'll listen and He'll answer. That's what He wants to do. You know God ain't, ain't hiding from you. He's not hiding from me. Listen to me. If we are going to grow and become what Jesus has saved us to be, we've got to be passionate about the study of the Word of God. We love it. Amen. Amen. We listen to it. Being taught, being preached. We spend time in it, in that daily devotion, that daily quiet time, just us and the Lord. And then the Bible says in James 1.22, don't just be hearers of the Word, but be doers also. Then we allow God, the Holy Spirit, to make application of that in our lives. And we pray for it. God, help me to do what you told me to do today. Help me to love people like you love people. Help me to see people like you see people. Help me to see needs and meet needs. Help me to encourage somebody that needs encouraging. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord, by your power to be your hands and feet. And I promise you, you get serious about doing that, God will open up all kinds of doors for that to be possible in your life. If you believe it, say it in tonight. We've got to be passionate about the Word of God. Now, y'all know my feelings on the Word of God. I love it. I love preaching it. I love teaching it. There's nothing I'd rather do than preach the Word of God. And, and for several reasons. First of all, because I know that's what God's called me to but also because I know how it works. God's Word works when you work it. When you work it, but you've got to work it. You've got to apply it to your life. And so you know my passion for the Word of God. That's number one. And, and, I, and, I, and I'm that way because it just works. It just works, I'm telling you. The God who loves you, unlike anybody else, more than anybody else ever could, has given you His truth. The Creator of life. He's trying to show you how life is to be lived. And all that's found in his word. Oh, give him God's word. Number two, though. Number two. And I think maybe, maybe I failed at this as much as anything. And I struggle with it from time to time. We must be people of prayer. We must be people of prayer. I'm going to be honest with you. There is a lot I don't understand about prayer. If God knows what I have to ask. You ever thought that? Well, I thought that. If God loves me, like he says he loves me, then why don't he answer me? Like I want him to answer. When I want him to answer. You ever thought that? Listen to me. Praying is an act of faith. Living by faith is trusting truth, not feelings. And living by faith is realizing God's will is the best way. And he who loves you most, knows you best, has a plan and purpose for your life. And he's never going to steer you wrong. Amen. Tell me. He won't. Do not get discouraged in your prayer life. Prayer is the most powerful 
favorite thing we could ever do. E.M. Bounds is my favorite author on prayer. He wrote about seven books on prayer. If you're looking for some good books on prayer, look for anything by E.M. Bounds. Listen to what he said. I love how he put this. He said, prayer is the mightiest of all forces because it praises God and brings him to active aid. I love it. You know what he's saying? When we choose to take advantage of the privilege of prayer, we invite the God of the universe to work on our behalf. The only thing outside the reach of prayer is that which is outside the will of God. And if it's outside the will of God, you don't need it anyway. God's will is what you would want if you knew what God knows. <laughs> Amen? Let me see if I can illustrate this for you. Sometimes my kids ask me stuff they don't need. And I know they don't need it. Now they think they, they want it and they think they really need it. And, and listen, they're all about it in that moment. But because I'm their father and I, I've, I've been around the block a few times and and, and because I, I've been where they are, a lot of times I don't give them what they want. Is it because I don't love them? Is it because I don't want to make them happy? No. It's because my job is not just to make them happy. I mean, I want to make them happy when I can, but that's not my first priority. My job as a father is to make good decisions that will impact their life, listen to me, in a positive way. Why? Because I'm the daddy and they're the kid. I know when they don't. I have authority and they don't. They ain't running nothing. I think that's where we miss it sometimes. We ain't running nothing either. And that's difficult for us to understand that. But we've got to realize, man, the God who loves you knows what's best for you. Hang in there. Hang in there. Oh, listen, I don't know what's happening, but hang in there. Trust the Lord. Ask Him, God, I need you in this area. I don't know why this did happen or why this didn't happen, but God, you've got to make it right some way. I need you to give me an answer that I cannot question. Speak to me and let me know. God, help me. Right now, I'm telling you. Tell me. You'll do these things. Can you see me? Amen. I've seen you do it, Mom. Amen. One thing that I love about Luke chapter 11, verse number one, let me ask you this. Who is the greatest preacher who's ever preached? Jesus. You don't believe? Read them red letters in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You don't believe me? Read Matthew 5 and 6, the Sermon on the Mount. You don't believe me? Read those powerful parables that teach you about life in this earth and life eternal, life in the kingdom. Jesus is the greatest preacher the world has ever known. He's the greatest teacher the world's ever known. How, who has done more miracles than Jesus? Can you name some person? I, now I'm talking about miracles. I'm not talking about something 
um, you know, that was claimed. I'm talking about something that was seen by eyewitnesses who gave testimony. Because that's what we have with the miracles of Jesus. You know, that's what John said in First John, uh, the, the book of First John. He said, uh, we have seen the word of life. We've heard him. And, and we have handled him, which was from the beginning. What he's saying is, we've seen him with our eyes. We've heard him with our ears. We've seen what he did. we heard what he said. We've actually touched him with our hands. We know he is real. Praise the Lord. John was the one who saw him raise up Lazarus and walk on water, speak to the fig tree and it withered. John saw him do all of these things. He's also the one who wrote in the Gospel of John. He said this, if we were to write down all the things that Jesus did, the world itself would not contain the books. That is a huge statement. He said what we have written down, we've written them down so that ye might believe that He is the Son of God. But we can't write down all of it. That means there's a lot of stuff Jesus did in that three and a half year time span of His ministry upon planet Earth that we don't even know about. I'm talking about some amazing things that John says we just didn't have time to write it all down or enough paper and enough ink because if we tried to, we'd fill the whole world up. And we saw it. And we heard it. John was one of the ones who was willing to give his life up for it because he knew it was true. Are you hearing me? Who's done more miracles than Jesus? Nobody. Who's better preacher than Jesus? Nobody. Who's a better teacher than Jesus? But in Luke chapter 11 and verse number 1, look what the disciples say. I love this. And it came to pass that he was praying in a certain place when he ceased, or when he stopped, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Well, let me ask you something. Why do you think they, they asked Jesus to teach them to pray? I mean, what did they say? Lord, teach us to preach. I don't know about you, but I'd love to preach like Jesus. Or teach us how to teach these parables that you're teaching. I'd love to teach these parables like Jesus taught them. I mean, I'd love to, to spit this truth out so people could hear it. Lord, teach us to raise people up from the dead. I mean, that would be cool. <laughs> you talk about being the mean monster at all your buddies' get-togethers. You ain't going to believe what I've done yesterday. Matter of fact, look what I can do now. Teach me to do these miracles. That ain't what they ask, is it? They said, Lord, he just prayed. Why? Maybe it was because they realized it was through the prayer life of Christ that he received direction from his heavenly father. Maybe is that they realized it was through the prayer life of Jesus as he was walking in this flesh that he received the power needed to do the things he was doing. How do I know that? You remember in John chapter number 11 when Jesus raised up Lazarus before he spoke to Lazarus in the tomb? He said, Heavenly Father, I know you hear me. But everybody around here needs to know that you hear me. So please do what I'm about to ask you to do. And he prayed that God would raise up Lazarus. Then he spoke to Lazarus in the tomb. And how many of you know he walked out? As disciples see all that. And maybe, just maybe, Peter looked over at Andrew and James looked over at John. He said, listen, boy, we need to learn how to pray. I figured it out. All this stuff he's doing, he's doing because this prayer life. we got to get a hold of that. This is what Ian Bound said. I love this right here. Watch how he puts it. I love my brother right there, boy. I'm telling you, 
Get some of his books. You'll like it. Every mighty move of the Spirit of God has had its source in the prayer chamber. And he's right. Do you really want God to move in your life? Do you really want God to move in the church? Do you really want God to move in your family? Make the decision. Take advantage of the privilege. Lord, Lord, teach us to pray. Oh God, we gotta have you. This is what Jesus says to him. He gives him a pattern of prayer, and I'm gonna close. He says here, Luke chapter number eleven. Verse number two. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So the first thing he tells them to do is recognize the authority and the holiness of God. Hallowed be thy name. And you know what I've thought before? When I come to God, I'm talking to a friend. Do you know it? The book of Hebrews tells us, and we'll get there as we keep studying through, it says that Abraham believed God and became a friend of God. Amen. Amen. 743, y'all good? <laughs> Abraham believed God and became a friend of God. Now, when I talk to God, because I believe you too, I place faith in him too. I'm talking to a friend, but he's more than that. He's more than that. He's the creator of the universe who spoke and stars came into being. Now I got this is a dear friend right here. I love this brother. He's a good friend to me. But you know what? I, I don't I don't talk to God the Father like I talk to Scott. Amen. I want to show him some reverence and respect. Not that I don't respect you, brother, because I do. But I ain't gonna say how to be your name, right? There's a difference. I mean, when, when I talk to the Lord, I want him to know. I recognize who he is. You understand? Lord, I recognize who you are, and I know what you've done. Thank you. Thank you. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven. So in earth. So what, what's he saying? Recognize his he has a will and he has a purpose. Start with adoration. Recognizing who you're speaking to. Recognize his authority and power. Then what's he say in the next verse? Watch this. Verse number three. Give us day by day our daily bread. Ask for provision. Now, if any of you are prideful like me, and I struggle with that, I was talking to a dear brother just the other day, and uh, I'm telling you, I struggle with pride. I'm never going to ask for help. <coughs> you know what I'm saying? That's not, I'm not saying that's a good thing. But until I get to the point where I, I just, there's no, no other option whatsoever, I just, it's hard for me to do that. I mean, I'm going to tear stuff up trying to fix it. Because I don't want to ask for help. 
And, and I think a lot of times, I think a lot of times, all of us are like that in our prayer life a little bit. We're so independent and so prideful that we think, well, we got it. We'll just tighten those bootstraps up just a little bit tighter and work a little harder. And we'll, we'll put our own nose to the grindstone and we'll work our way right on through. God says, no, when it comes to praying to me, ask for what you need. That fly's driving me crazy. <laughs> so he said, ask for what you need. Give us this day. Don't be afraid to ask God for whatever it is you need. Why? Because he's a heavenly father who loves you. You know what? I get tired of my kids asking for stuff, but I want them to keep asking. Why? Because I love them. I love them. And I'm an earthly father who's not perfect. He's a heavenly father who he is. He don't get tired of you asking. He loves you. Keep asking. Verse number four, what does he say? And forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone that has indebted us. He says, listen, ask for forgiveness for sin. Keep a short account with God. You know what, folks? I repented when I got saved. And I'm thankful the Lord heard my prayer and saved me. But I've repented a whole lot more after I got saved than when I got saved. I mean, there'll be times throughout the day um, somebody will say something to me at work and something will run through my head and sometimes it might even come out of my mouth and the Lord, you heard what I said or what I thought. And I'm sorry. Please forgive me. You know? There'll be times in traffic when somebody tells me how much they love me by giving me a number one sign. I had that happen today. You know, it's tough, man. Um, I was working out on the interstate, putting up to tra doing some traffic control, and I got several people who told me they love me. That's number one. <laughs> and what run through my mind, you know, I was like, forgive me. <laughs> y'all ever do that? Now, I know this don't happen to y'all, but there's times in my marriage when me and my wife have spirited discussions. We don't never fight, but we will have a spirited discussion. And if I'm not careful, we actually had one this evening, didn't we? <laughs> that was prior to church. You know? About all things, blue jeans. Blue jeans. And I got mad at her because I couldn't find my blue jeans. And she said, it's probably in your car. I said, I know my blue jeans ain't in my car. I brought them in here to get them washed. They ain't washed. Everybody, everything else is washed. My blue jeans ain't washed. Probably in your car. Guess where my blue jeans were? In my car. <laughs> Just saying. There's times. There's times. When, when it happens in every area of life, and I said, Lord, well, forgive me. And then I had to call her back and say, honey, forgive me. Because when I got in my car, I found that she was right. <laughs> it was in there. And then I got told by Ned, you know how to run that washing machine too? And she's right. <laughs> she's right. I do. That's exactly right. She's, she's right on that. <laughs> forgive us our debts. And forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. You know what I want to pray for? That temptation and opportunity never meet. I pray for that a lot. Lord, never let temptation and opportunity 
Whatever you're tempted by, never let it meet. And I think that's what he's saying right there. And we call this the Lord's Prayer, but it's not the Lord's Prayer. It's the disciples' prayer that the Lord gave them. Why? Because he says, look, pray about your sin. Pray about your sin. He had no sin. Pray about your need to the one that can help you with your need. Prayer is truly a powerful force. We've got to be passionate about the Word of God, and we must be people of prayer. I've told you, most of you, this story before, but one of my favorite preachers of all time is Charles Spurgeon. And Charles Spurgeon had a huge church in London, England that was growing in leaps and bounds. I mean, people were getting saved by the thousands. Was having four, five, and six services on a Sunday just so he could get all the people in and hear the truth of the Word of God. Amazing what God was doing. And so there was a uh, newspaper man who came and done, uh, wanted to write an article on what was going on down at Spurgeon's church. And so Spurgeon meets with him early one Monday morning. And he's asking him, you know, what's going on? How is this happening? This, uh, you know, what, what are y'all doing? And he said, do you really want to know what's happening in this church? What, why God is doing what he's doing? The man said, yeah. He said, okay, follow me. So he takes him down in the, into the basement, down by the boiler room, and opens up this door. And inside this huge room in the basement was about 150, 200 people on their face praying. That God would continually do the work that he had started. And he said, that's the reason you're seeing what you're seeing happening right here at this church. Because people got serious about prayer. I wonder what happened if we get serious about it. The Bible says in James 4 and 2, we have not because we ask not. Oh, folks. Let's ask. Let's seek. Let's knock. Let's keep knocking. The Bible says we'll find. Amen? Amen. Any prayer requests tonight?